tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 14. Wow, you guys, it's already September. I don't know why, but fall always seems to sneak up on me. One minute it's July and suddenly school starts and all of a sudden we've got schedule and structure. To be honest, I kind of like that. Except with schedule and structure, often comes stress. Uh, If you're a mama, you kind of know what I mean. You're trying to get everybody out the door on time in the morning, and then the kids squabble all the way to school. And you're back home just or, or at work, and you're just getting some stuff going when all of a sudden you get a phone call from one of your kids who's forgotten their lunch yet again. (laughs) Well, to help us navigate this season and really all of life, whether we're mamas or not, I'm excited to have my dear friend, Trisha Goyer, join us. Trisha is a prolific and best-selling author of fiction and nonfiction books, and she's going to be talking about one of the books I love the most. It's called Calming Angry Kids. But you know what? Anger isn't only a problem for children. I've asked Trisha to also address how to self-calm as angry women, whether we're mamas or not. Well, I am so excited to have my dear friend, Trisha Goyer, with us today. Welcome to the living room, my friend. Thank you, Joanne. I wish we were really like sitting across from each other in the living room, <laughs> like we've done so many times. I know. I was actually the moment I said that, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, oh, I know. We had we were blessed. We were so blessed to spend how many years together? Was it at least ten? I think fifteen. Well, uh, yeah, I lived up there fifteen, but then I probably met you at least three years after we moved there. Yeah. So. Good 12 years together. My writing buddy, we would go away and write together in those luxurious days that you used to have. (laughs) I was thinking now if we went away, I would probably just sleep the whole time. Like you would just find me in bed. (laughs) Wait a minute. Isn't that what you did anyway? I kind of did. I'd write and nap and write and nap. You have like this, you've got a superpower, which enables you to write over 70 books. Hello. And I think it all comes back to the ability to nap anytime, any place, anywhere. That's true. And you've witnessed that. <laughs> I know it. I kind of wish that you would come up with an online course for that because I have yet to develop that skill. I don't know. I think I just get so exhausted that I have no choice. I just have to nap. Oh, I love it. Oh, well, I've had, I still feel even though we've been apart uh, for now almost, ten, well, yeah, 10 years, I feel like I've had a front row seat to just watch you be available to God in so many beautiful ways. Um, and, you know, we've had some other interviews that I'll link to in our show notes on stories about that and just making ourselves available to God. But you um, you kind of entered into a whole nother season. Do you want to catch us up with all that? Absolutely. Well, over the last, how many years now? Nine years, we've adopted seven kids. So that's kind of been the big thing. It's just all of a sudden we were almost empty nesters. Nathan was 16 when we adopted Alyssa as a newborn um, in 2010. And so now all of a sudden we have 
a full, full house all over again. I'm homeschooling. I'm homeschooling six this year. So, you know, we went to almost being empty nesters to like, it's, this is take two. Like we're starting completely over on the parenting thing and going through it all again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I just, I think it's so beautiful because um, you, first of all, are an amazing mother, my friend. I have watched you with your your um, biological children and watched you raise them. And then I've watched you with these foster kids who you've made your own. And it's such a beautiful thing. I, I know it hasn't been easy, but it is a beautiful thing to behold. And out of that has come a book that is really important. And I am so excited to talk to you about Calming Angry Kids because you know, as we've discussed over the years, um, I, although you were like this calm and <laughs> it's not a very Christian term, but I'm just going to use it anyway. You were a calm kind of Zen mom. <laughs> That's not necessarily my story. I don't think that my, my kids would call me a calm mother. Now I have been a mother that has been changed by the Lord gratefully, but, um, I've struggled and I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of my story as we go along the way because I didn't have angry kids as much as we ping ponged a lot of anger between us. And so I'm really excited to talk about how do we manage, manage emotion because they're real and they're big and they're overwhelming. How do we manage that for our, with our kids as well as with ourselves? Tell us a little bit uh, about what inspired this book. Well, the Angry Kids inspired this book. And it's so funny when we first, uh, the book came out, um, I'm holding it in my hands and I, you know, all the girls, the four older girls had read through it. I wanted to make sure, because a lot of the stories are their stories mixed with my stories. And I wanted to make sure that they were okay with it. So I was, you know, showing them the book and showing them the, you know, the different parts of it. And one of my daughters goes, you're welcome. And I'm like, what? She goes, if we weren't angry, you wouldn't have this book. And so it's never what I had thought of my life. And, um, you, you know, talk about, I was, I was a calm, calm mom and I, my kids were pretty much my three older ones were pretty calm. I mean, I think Leslie was the most like rebellious, but looking back now, it's not really, I don't, you know, she was just opinionated and loud at times, but, you know, I thought, okay, you know, I'm a pretty good mom and, and doing this parenting thing. And even when we went to the foster care training, I would just sit there and almost roll my eyes. Like I've been parenting for 23 years. I've totally got this. But <laughs> when these kids started moving in our home, first we had um, Casey and Bella were two and a half and five when we um, started the process of adopting them. And then, you know, three years later, um, we got a sibling group of four girls who were between the ages of 11 and 14. It was anger like I had never experienced before. You know, with the little ones, it was the throwing things and kicking and screaming and, you know, I'm going to hurt you. And I mean, all these things I had never experienced and I didn't know how to handle it and I didn't know how to, to calm them. And with the bigger girls, it was a lot of the verbal stuff. You're not my real mom. I don't want to be here. And um, just really hurtful things against us. And um, then we had, you know, holes in the walls and people trying to climb out windows and, um, you know, all these things that I never had experienced before. And I found myself completely overwhelmed and, and, you know, taking them all to um, trauma therapy, which helped, helped so much. 
But in the middle of that, I found myself angry. I was yelling and I was upset with them and I, you know, was trying to control them and I couldn't, you know, physically grab them and, you know, I didn't want to hurt them or do anything like that. So I found myself just get back here and yelling at them and um, just being so angry, which is nothing I had experienced before. And I just was overwhelmed with that. I didn't know how to handle myself. And one of the things I went was talking to the therapist is about like, I don't even like recognize this person I've become because I just didn't know how to handle their anger. So I found myself getting angry. And one of the things the therapist told me is, you know, that they're trying to get you angry on purpose, right? And I'm like, mm. well, what do you mean? And she said, well, if the, the child's angry, if the child has done something wrong, which is, you know, usually when I try to correct them or something, it would bring out their anger. So say they were caught lying. Well, if your child is caught lying and then you try to correct them or you talk to them about it and they get angry, angry, if they can get you angry, then suddenly it isn't about their anger any, anymore. It's about yours. So suddenly if I'm yelling at them because they're angry, then it's like, you're mean, you're yelling at me. And suddenly it's not about the issue. The issue's not about the issue. And then, you know, what am I doing? I'm apologizing. I'm trying to make things right. And pretty soon it's, you know, we, we never got to the lying thing. <laughs> so she, she said when, yeah, when we got there, it was all about them wanting me to get angry. Yeah. Well, and and I I kind of interrupt here because you know, I didn't have foster children and I didn't adopt, but you just described exactly where I was at as a young mom. Um my oldest is very much like me and we are very opinionated. He's he probably, you know, a strong-willed child and and exactly that. You know, I would blow it to the point where that you know it was no longer looking at their bad behavior it was all focused on me so how did you break that that is a good question well first of all we talked a couple things and having the trauma therapist there was so so helpful there's a, a center right here in little rock which i mean i highly recommend if you have you know someone that can help with that i highly recommend professionals but one thing that she told me is first of all when we're dealing with an angry child or a rebellious child or a strong-willed child, any of those emotions, our bodies, first of all, will naturally react. So our heart will start racing, um, our, you know, our fists clench up, our jaw tightens, like we can feel the emotion because our bodies are made to protect ourselves. They're ready to fight, flight, or freeze, you know, are the th are three different ways usually we respond. And so automatically our bodies will physically respond. Um, and so those emotions come, but then we don't have to like keep going with the emotions. And so for me, it was, you know, taking a deep breath, sending up a prayer, releasing my grip, you know, releasing my hands and realizing like, okay, if I stay calm, I win. And I would tell that to myself over and over. And also the only way a child can calm themselves is if we can remain calm because if we're escalated and they're escalated, then pretty soon no one's calm. And so, you know, there's been times where one of my daughters was fighting with her sister. I tried to break it up. I'm in the room and pretty soon, you know, I, I try to, I send the sister out. I'm trying to deal with the child and pretty soon I'm the one getting yelled at and, you know, she's ready to run away. I mean, all these things, she, she's really escalated. And I realized this like, okay, I just need to stay calm. It doesn't, you know, I can't control her either with my words or anything. Like I can't control her at this moment. So I'm just going to sit in the room and just be calm. And I just sat there. I sat on her bed. She was raging. You know, she was hitting the wall. And 
I sit there and I'm just taking deep breaths and I'm taking deep breaths. And pretty soon I pick up a book on the, her sister's nightstand and start flipping through it. And inside my heart is pounding. My mind is racing like everything. But I knew that the only way she would be able to calm is if I stayed calm. Like if I tried talking to her, it wouldn't work. If I tried, you know, holding her or doing I mean, anything physical, it wouldn't have worked. And pretty soon it took about 15 minutes, but she was able to just calm down. Hmm. And then she, you know, as I'm sitting there completely calm, she's like, I'm sorry I took it out of you. I was just mad at my sister. And then we were able to have the conversation. But if I would have tried to discipline her, if I would have tried to tell her to stop that, if I would have tried to tell her to calm down, none of those things would have calmed her. But my calm presence was able to calm her. And I've just learned that over and over. Not that I always get it right, but now just like realizing those two things that I win when I stay calm and my calming presence will calm my child has helped me so much um, when they do explode in anger. Oh, man. Um, could we just sort of go back and let me hear that advice <laughs> <laughs> all those years ago? Because I do think I, I kind of went into situations determined to win. Mm -hmm. And of course, I meet someone else who is determined to win and then everybody loses. Yes. I, I love the fact that in choosing to be the calming presence and not try to fix the person, it's almost like you gave your daughter the tools to calm herself. Absolutely. And in the moment when their emotions peaked, you cannot be rational. <laughs> I think that's, that's sometimes what we try to do as parents. Like we try to explain what the problem is and, and tell them to calm down. And first of all, um, you know, when I know when I'm upset and when someone tells me to calm down, that doesn't make me calm down. Yeah. Um, so we do give them the tools like this is how we calm down. Like I'm calming myself down. She sees, okay, mom's sitting there. Mom's taking a breath. Mom's relaxing. She kind of sees that. But also like if we are talking in the moment and trying to rationalize with them, with them when their emotions are peaked, it will never get through. It's like the teacher from Charlie Brown, like, wah, 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 mm -hmm. you know, nothing's going through, but we can deal with the situation later. So after she comes down, um, maybe even, you know, and, and then the other thing is like, we don't have to solve the problem now or even that night. Um, you know, so sometimes, you know, in that moment when she finally calms herself down, I said, well, that wasn't the right way to handle that situation, but we'll just talk about that tomorrow. Um, Cause I think sometimes mm -hmm. we try to solve it too quickly. And um, we think we need to like deal with it in the moment and, and you need space and your kid needs space just to kind of process what happened. And so the next day, you know, we were able, I was able to sit down with her and like, what was going on? And so we, she was able to like talk through what made her so mad. Um, she was able to talk through her emotions. I was able to explain, you know, I understand why that made you mad, but you know, let's think about different ways to handle that. And then we were able to talk through like, what could you do instead of getting <laughs> yelling and screaming and throwing things? Um, and then it's a teaching moment, but that's a whole day later because, you know, sometimes it's too soon. Our kids aren't ready to process their behavior and we don't have to like solve it in the moment like if they're in the mm. grocery store having a ta tantrum we don't need to in that moment explain the preciousness of others and look at all these other people who are trying to shop or whatever like we just need to teach them in a moment where they're not escalated and they're not angry um and then use it you know the next day a couple days later and we could use that time for training but in the moment is not the right time 
Mm, that is powerful. And I think, I think it gives us a little bit of time to process, uh, because as, as an angry mom, and I just have to, you know, I have to own it. I owned it to my kids back then that, um, I was an angry mom. And for some reason, I think, I think especially as, um, you know, they were my first children. Now that I have Josh, you know, my, my later addition, I feel like I have a little bit more perspective, but I think somewhere back in those early years, my identity got mm-hmm. wrapped up in them being good. And so I, I was on, I was on a war path of my own to make them conform to what I thought they had to be. And so being a calming presence, but also providing some time that we don't have to just get into it right away that we can give. I love that. Yeah. And I love, I love what you said about identity. Cause I felt like that way with my three biological, almost felt like I had a, something to prove, especially cause I had been a teen mom. Like I had to prove as a good mom. So I was probably harder on them then, you know, I should have been. But even with these adopted kids, there was times they'd be acting out in public, um, especially when we got the little ones. You know, I'd have a two-year-old climbing under the table, getting fries off the ground, you know, and having a tantrum if I tried to get him out from under the table. I'd find myself like explaining, oh, we just got him. We just got him from foster care. You know, we're just, we're trying to work with him. And after like a couple days of doing that, I just felt God saying like, you don't need to explain. Like, I'll never see those people again, you know, and who am I? Like, what if they do think I'm a bad mom? It doesn't matter. Like it matters that this little boy has a home and, you know, we're trying to help him and, and do our best with him. And I think so many times we're so concerned about what other people think that we find ourselves explaining or we try to get our kids to conform or we try to get them to act good and no one wins in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, um, it reminds me how often I think maybe I am hyper attuned to people's opinions of me because sometimes I make uninformed judgments of my own. Mm. And I I look at that mother and I can't believe she's letting that go on. So I appreciate that perspective. What would you say to a mom that is in that position? She's in the store, the kid's absolutely losing it. What do we do? Yeah. And I think one, I mean, one of the things that I have learned to do is just like step back. (laughs) Like I'm not going to like, if the kid's having a fit, like trying to tell them to calm down and stuff isn't going to work. So one of the things I talk about in calming angry kids, first of all, is just letting them know you're aware of their emotions and that actually calms them in a strange way. So when I say, you know, something like you're upset, um, yes, I'm upset. And they'll, you know, they'll, they'll be able to verbalize what they're upset about. And then the conversation starts. And if there's other people looking, I'll just look at them and shrug, like, you know, <laughs> I'm dealing with it, or here we go, or something like that. Um, and I found most of the time people just like, you know, smile or shrug back. It's like kids will be kids type of thing. Um, instead of feeling like everyone's looking at me, and seeing that I'm a bad mom, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm here and I'm trying to do my best. And I think I try to do that if I see another mom. <laughs> and I've even said it at times. Like if I'll see a mom with a kid throwing a tantrum, like, oh, I've been there or something like that. There's just to let them know, like, I'm not going to judge them that it's hard being a mom and kids have emotions and, you know, we're all doing our best here. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, I think sometimes it's hard to discern where that line is and where, what battle 
really needs to be fought and what doesn't, you know, I, I think in our society, we've kind of, we've got two extremes. We've got that hypervigilant mother who, um, overreacts maybe, um, who, who makes a big scene of her own because her child's making a scene. But then we have that other one where you can almost see like they're absolutely hostage to their kids' unhappiness mm-hmm. and they don't, and they don't appear. And again, that's judgment, but it doesn't appear like they're doing anything to address it. Is there a middle ground in there? Well, that's a hard question. I think so many times it's just hard to know what people are going through. I, you know, I don't know. When we see other people, it's hard to know, like, you know, maybe it is a foster kid. Maybe there's a situation that we're not, you know, aware of. Maybe the the lady's husband just walked out two nights ago and she's so concerned about just how she can face life without her husband around. I mean, it's so hard right. to even know like what is kind of going on in their world. Um, but I know that like there's been times, like if you are aware, like people are going through a hard time or, you know, they're, they have foster kids or they're, you know, just adopting kids. Um, I've had times where I'd, I'd one time when we were out camping, I was take the girls on a girls camping trip and um, my littlest girl ended up burning herself. And as I'm trying to tend to her, one of the teenagers ran up and she wanted my attention. She had said she'd burned herself the night before and she wanted me to you know, turn away from the screaming child that just clearly had blisters all over her hand to attend to her. And I said, just a minute. And that moment she reacted and it was a pure emotional reaction. She felt like like I, she was unwanted, she was unloved, that I wasn't going to adopt her. I mean, all these emotions are running through her, which I found out later. Um, but she starts taking off in the forest to run away. And I had other moms that stepped in that knew our situation that goes, don't worry, you you keep tending her, you know, your little one. I'll go and I'll go talk to her. And that was such a helpful thing to me. Like I was unable at that moment to help two kids at one time. And so just having people like willing to step in, and, you know, go and help me in that situation has been so helpful. So I think um, if they're, if, you know, if we're not aware really what's going on, um, you know, just, I guess, give us, give them grace, like give the parents grace. But if, yes. if we see that they need help, if, and if we're willing to help, and if we're able to help, um, just, you know, be willing to step forward and like, is there any way I can help you right now? Because sometimes people don't know how to respond and don't know how to parent and don't know, or just overwhelmed in the moment, don't know how to deal with the situation. Yeah. I I hear you saying, let's grace each other. Let's not shame one another. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So as you've been working, one of the things that's been fun is hearing a little bit of your story here and there. Um, as you've been working with the therapists, that they really gave you some handles on things that that changed the dynamics in big ways. What would you say was the biggest, the biggest tip that changed the um, changed the balance of where you guys were at? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things when you have like angry kids or difficult kids, strong-willed kids, any of those things is you just want to fix the situation. Like you want to fix the kid. Like obviously they have something that needs to be fixed. And it was amazing. The first thing 
the therapist had me do both with the little kids and the big kids was not worry about the problem, but just spend time with that child and build the bond with that child. Um, and so with the little guy, you know, they had me sit down with him five to 10 minutes a day and just play cars and tell him much of, I much appreciate him. And I, I noticed what cars he was playing with and I repeated what he was saying. And with the teenagers, it was like, sit down and paint nails or go on errands and go get a smoothie. It was just like all this time factor. And I think we're so concerned kind of about fixing the child that they just see that, like, I'm just a project that mom wants to fix instead of. I'm someone who mom loves and wants to spend time with. And the more I spent that time with my child, the less bad behaviors they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing. It was, it was shocking. I'm like, can't we just talk about these tantrums? And the therapist is like, actually, you're going to spend five to 10 minutes a day playing toys. And I'm like, this makes no sense at all. Um, but our kids want our attention. And you know, often they act out, first of all, to get our attention. They're getting negative attention. But second of all, when we have that relationship with them, then they kind of care about what we think and they, they'll listen to us better and we have that bond and they'll pay attention when we give them advice. Um, but if we have, if we're not building that bond and we're just pushing ahead, trying to change them, then they're, I mean, they're not going to want to be changed. They're just going to you know stick their heels in the ground and refuse to budge. Um, so really going back to bonding and spending that quality time, which is hard. I mean, we all have busy lives. I have six kids in the house, but you know, I'll find moments to curl up and get one of my little kids next to me and read a book or, you know, to help my daughter bake cookies or any of those kinds of things. Those bonding moments really like do more to help with their behavior than any of the you know tools or discipline things that I could come up with. Hmm. I, I think that's so true. I don't remember where I heard this story, but I just loved it. It was about a mom with um, a little girl who was just a handful. Just uh, the other kids would be playing and she'd steal their toys. And they were just going through a period of time where she was acting out terribly. And, and she had tried all of the different things, you know, the straight on discipline, the, you know, the timeouts and nothing seemed to work. And one day she kind of surprised herself. She was, uh, the little girl was just being a pill. And rather than getting angry, she just said, is your love cup empty? Mm-hmm. And the little girl looked at her real strangely and she goes, come here. And so they just cuddled on her lap and, and the little girl was still kind of, you know, restless and everything, but they just talked and read a book and, and everything and spent some time. She goes, is your love cup full yet? No, no, not yet. <laughs> so they spent a little more time and finally, finally the little girl said, yeah, that her love cup was empty, was full now. And so she hopped off her lap and went and played and they had a, the whole atmosphere changed. And um, a couple of days later, mom was having a hard and she was, you know, how we do. We slam cupboards and rattle mm-hmm. pans and you know, grumbling and mumbling to ourselves. And the little girl came up to her and tapped her on the side and said, is your love cup empty? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and it was just beautiful as mom realized, yeah, I think it is. And so they did a little cuddle. And I think if we could learn how to to do that, to take time for one another and bond, like you say, changes changes the atmosphere. It's beautiful. What else have you found helpful? You know, um, I mentioned earlier um, just labeling their emotions, and that is something that I never thought would be helpful so much. And so really when they're angry, 
saying, you're angry right now. And all of a sudden they'll stop and like, yes, I am angry. And they'll want to talk about it. And that actually has been a huge thing when they're in the middle of a tantrum or in the middle of a really bad attitude. It takes it from the emotions to kind of the cognitive thinking like, okay, we could talk about this. And, and talking to their kids about emotions and talking to them like how to calm their emotions. And um, one thing that we do is we create, we call it calming bags or uh, for the older kids, calming routines. So we'll talk ahead of time in a non-angry moment and say like when you get upset and when you get angry, what can you do to calm yourself down? For, so for the little kids, for the calming bags, they'll put like Play-Doh in it. They'll put bubbles. They'll put like um, little note cards if they can read with a scripture verse. And when they're angry, they'll say, you know, why don't you go find your calming bag and go squeeze some Play-Doh, blow bubbles, which is great breathing. You know, they breathe in, they breathe out. With the older kids, um, some of them, they just know they can go to the room and listen to music or they can go take a shower or something else to calm down. But if you talk to them in a non-angry moment and teach them how to calm down, it makes a huge difference. You know, we teach our kids how to brush their teeth and how to make a sandwich and how to go potty on the toilet and all these things. But we never think of how to handle their emotions. So just thinking through, first of all, label it, labeling their emotions for them and then teaching them in a non-angry moment, how to calm down has been a huge thing. And I even took um, the kids to Disney World in a couple months ago. And before we went, I said, you know, this is going to be a stressful situation. We're all traveling together. My husband wasn't with me. It was me and one of my older sons and the kids. And I said, there's going to be times we're going to be anxious. We're going to get angry. And so we packed play-doh we packed we, you know <laughs> stress balls we packed bubbles in their little backpacks and so anytime we see someone get tense whether we're at the theme park or in the car or rental car or something we'd say okay get out your calming thing and they just knew what to do like it just helped them so much letting them know ahead of time like this could be uh you know a situation where we could find ourselves angry or overwhelmed mm. you know i think this is huge this is this is for all of us, not just kids. I, that the importance of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and really being aware. I think of of what we're feeling. I've been kind of trying to do that for myself. You know, when you have just that, just that low grade irritation or uneasiness, and it's like pausing long enough to actually name what the emotion is. And um, like some experts say, it, it allows you to become the observer rather than being so so locked and hostage to your emotion. You're actually able to observe it, which gives you room to go, okay, that's what I'm feeling. And and I think sometimes like what you're doing for your children, I'm trying to learn how to do for myself mm-hmm. is like validate, okay, you're you're feeling worried. And I can understand that, Joanna. Yes. <laughs> Because you've got this on your plate, but is that where you want to stay? And you're teaching tools that I think a lot of us as adults really haven't learned. Um, what do you What do you say? what What can we do as adults to be a little bit more self aware and self calming? Do you have any calming bags for mamas? <laughs> you know, my calming bag is going to my room, getting out my Bible, sitting there. I mean, there's even times where I'm just even too overwhelmed with all everything that's happening to 
even, you know, open my Bible. It's just repeating the scriptures that I have memorized in my heart and asking God to help me. You know, there's been times I've texted friends and like, this is a really hard situation. Can you pray for me right now? I mean, all of those things, um, you know, first of all, I'm mentioning getting away. And I think, you know, we do need to step away. I mean, if it is safe to leave our child, if they're having a tantrum, whatever, just step into the other room and like, you know, give yourself some breathing room. But there's times, and I love how you said like, what's really going on? Why am I having this emotion? I'll be frustrated where it seems like I'm frustrated about the kids, but really I'm worried about a book deadline or I'm thinking about a conversation that I had with a friend that I might've been too snarky or whatever, you know, whatever's going on and really naming like what the issue is. And then thinking like, okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to apologize to a friend? Do I need to schedule, you know, two hours to get a babysitter to focus on my book deadline and kind of make a plan around what's really going on? But also, you know, just taking those emotions to God. Like he knows when we're having hard days and when we're frustrated and when we're angry and just asking him to give us strength. And I love how, you know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, you know, self-control, all these things. And it's God's spirit in us that allows those things to happen. So it's like, God, I just really need your spirit right now to give me peace or give me self-control or to calm me down. Um, And turning to him really makes a big difference. Yeah, so much. So much, you know, um, one of the things too that I'm learning is just because I'm feeling this way Uh um, doesn't mean I have to stay this way. And trying to figure out, okay, what's the thought? What's the lie I'm believing behind this feeling or this emotion or this anger? You know, my husband has gotten so good over the years. We've been married long enough that... (laughs) He'll, he'll, he'll hear me, you know, kind of, you know, rattling pans or grumbling, (laughs) mostly grumbling at my computer because it's doing something stupid. And he's learned to say this. He's going, is that something that you're wanting help with or or do you just want to say it? And I'm like, I just need to say it. You know, I don't necessarily need help. I don't want to be fixed. I just, this is where I'm at. And what's beautiful is even in the marriage relationship, rather than him feeling like I'm upset with him or automatically taking offense at my behavior, he's just able to step back and go, all right, so what's really going on? And that's been so powerful to have this safe place where it doesn't have to escalate, even in marriage. Mm-hmm. It's the same with our kids when they're angry or upset. There might be something else going on. You know, one of my kids will be upset and giving me a hard time or really acting out. And when I sit down and just say, what's going on? I'll hear like the neighborhood kid was calling them bad words or, you know, I've heard one of my teen girls, she was just for a couple days, just was off and just was rude and come to find out she had, when I, when I sat down and said, what's going on? She said she had a dream and she had dreamed a couple nights before about her biological parents. And Hmm. then was feeling really guilty that she was adopted and she almost felt like she abandoned them, which was not the case at all. But that dream for two days, we were trying to deal with the behavior when really there was something that she just needed to talk about. And so that question of, you know, I see you're angry or what's going on. Or I, I mean, your husband's response is like, perfect. Like, do you need help with that? Or do you just want to talk yeah. about it? Like, that is huge. And we don't always have to fix anything. Like, I can't fix my adopted kids early childhood. You know, I can't go back and, and fix those things. But I could listen while they talk about it and be there for them. 
And that invitation to share, because most of the time, I don't even think we know mm-hmm. what we're thinking. We don't really know what's going on behind that feeling. We just feel like this is what I feel. This is what is true. And to have someone that is patient enough to invite us to share rather than come against the behavior to, to just say, okay, what's, what's really going on? Sometimes John will also say, so have I done something to make you angry? And that makes me pause and go, no, no, not at all. Not at all. Know what it's really about. And then it's so beautiful because then we have a chance to take it together to the Lord. Or or it doesn't have to undermine our relationship, which is so beautiful. You know, one of the things you talk about in calming angry kids, and we've talked about some of, you know, understanding what goes on in their head and focusing on a relationship over rules. Um, how you talk about establishing a standard of respect in the home. How have you gone about doing that? And, and I think, you know, we've got probably the majority of us, we, um, we're not dealing with foster children or adopted children. We've, we've got a family that has established really unhealthy patterns that need to be redone. How do we do that? Yeah. And I think the first thing, like if we want our kids to respect us, we need to respect them. Like, you know, I find myself being snippy or, I mean, the first thing they do when they get up is, you know, be like, remember, you have to do your chores before you turn on TV or whatever. Like I'm immediately in the moment not being respectful of like, they're just starting their day and here we go. I'm already getting on them. But, you know, first of all, respecting them and talking to them in a respectful tone. But I think the second of all is just like, we, we let our kids know and we, you know, we have family meetings and like, okay, this is how we talk to each other in our family. Like we're here to love our family. We're here to support our family and just giving them kind of like, this is who our family is about. And we talk about, you know, someday, you know, your friends that you have now might not be your friends and, you know, we might live in a different place and not be going to the same church. You won't know those people, but we'll always have each other. And so we, you know, we talk to each other with kindness. We talk to each other with love. You know, we don't put down each other. We don't call each other's names. Um, And so instead of like just jumping on child, like don't do that, we'll say, is that how we treat each other in our family? And just go back to that standard that we set. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting as you were talking, um, my mom, uh, I remember my little brother was 10 years younger than me and he, he was quite a handful. He actually made my sister and I look so good. <laughs> we came out looking like shining examples of children, but, um, he would, he would talk to mom in ways that I just didn't feel was respectful or right. right. And so I asked her one day about that and she goes, you know what, honey, I was raised in a home where we had no say. We couldn't really talk about what we were feeling. And I always made a, a, a rule that I would always let you guys share how you felt. And, um, you know, she did. She really did. I, I She made it a safe place to have emotions, to try to handle emotions. But of course, like, and I did say, well, yeah, I, I agree, but maybe there's a better way yeah. of doing that. And so how to have that place where it's okay to have emotions and have a big emotions, but how we, how we say them that they're in a respectful way. Because I think what that does is it helps our kids um, process their emotions, not just vent their emotions. 
Yeah. And I, I'll say some things I'll say is um, like one daughter's like talking bad about another daughter. And I'll say, don't talk, talk about my daughter that way. And it'll just cause them to pause. And yeah. they'll go like, well, I'm your daughter too. And I'm like, yes. And I don't let other people talk to you that way. You know, it's just like getting them yes. out of like, you know, talk, stop talking mean to your sister. It's like, that's my child that you're talking about. <laughs> or, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't, and, and adding that on, I don't let other people talk to you that way. And they just know that, you know, I will be there to protect them and every member of the family. And, you know, pretty soon um, that we've seen, I mean, huge, huge changes in just the way they talk to each other. And it's just us saying, you know, nope, that's not how we're going to talk to each other. Um, you know, can we, re- and, and another thing is we'll say, can we rephrase that? Like, I understand what you're saying to your sister um, or brother. Can you rephrase that in a kinder way? And so, hmm. and sometimes I'll even say like, like this and give them example of how to rephrase it and just not letting them talk bad about us or disrespectful to us or to each other. Um, It's not that it's always perfect, but we have gotten so much better about how we just treat each other and respect. And so they, everyone in this home feels like it is a safe place and I'm not going to be bullied and I'm not going to be put down. Mm, So, so good. Oh my goodness. We could just talk for hours about this, but we don't have hours, but I do know you have all sorts of resources and, and you are on, online in so many powerful ways. Can you tell us a little bit about where people can find you? Yeah, um, sure. My Facebook page is just Trisha Goyer, um, or author Trisha Goyer, actually, and on Instagram, Trisha Goyer. I mean, any of those places, my website is trishagoyer.com. So if they put my name in, um, they'll find it. And then we also have a Facebook group for Calming Angry Kids, and it's just called Calming Angry Kids. So if they put that as they're looking for Facebook groups, and we have a group in there, and there's, I think, about 600 um, families in there, and you know, people will post questions of, my child's doing this, and my child's doing that, how do I respond? And I'm not the only one, because there's a lot of wise, wise parents that are in there, and we just support each other and help each other. Mm, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, and also, you guys, if you happen to be writers or writers, women who want to be writers, um, Trisha has a wonderful subscription group that is called Write That Book, and she has got experts galore. So be sure to just go, I mean, really set a, <laughs> set aside an afternoon to peruse TrishaGoyer.com because there go. there's multi-levels of goodness, I'm telling you what. Uh, well, this has been so, so, so good, Trish. Uh, I just appreciate your heart for the Lord, your heart for your kids. Um, I was wondering if you would just close this time and, and pray for all of us mamas out here who want, want to be loving and wise moms that don't react in anger, but respond in the way God would have us respond. Yeah, of course. Well, dear God, we just come to you now. And I just thank you so much for every listener here. And None of us behave correctly 100% of the time. First of all, I just thank you for your grace and your love for us. But second of all, I thank you that we can turn to you when we need that patience, when we need that self-control, when we need that peace in our lives. That um, I pray that everyone listening will not feel that they have to handle this alone, that they know that there's others out there struggling, but also that they know that there is a great God, um, that you are always there to help us 
in this need, Lord. I thank you so much for these hearts, for these um, moms and these dads out there that just want to be better. And I pray that um, you'll just continue to give them the tools they need to love their children and to draw them close. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us, Trisha. Thank you. Isn't Trisha amazing? As a close friend, I can tell you, she really does live out everything she writes. I hope you'll stop by my website, joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 014, where you will find show notes as well as links to Trisha's websites and resources. She addresses so many of the issues that we face as women, um, but you'll also find some wonderful novels as well. So, sweet friend. I hope you picked up some tips for navigating anger, not only as a family, but as a woman. As a former angry mom, I can tell you, God can change your heart if you'll let Him. One of the most powerful verses that He's used in my own battle with anger is found in James 1, 19-20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, the New Living Translation says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why? because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So if somewhere along this interview, God has put his finger on an area of anger in your heart, I just want to encourage you, give him access. If you'll just repent of that anger and stop excusing it and stop blaming everybody else, well then God God can bring the healing. He can teach you a new way of responding, a way of talking and responding that brings life not death, not only to you, but to everyone around you. So until next time, keep living and loving and leading like Jesus. God bless you, my friend.